Alright, hey everybody. We are back with another edition of KC Music Talk. My guest today is a bass player, guitar player, and uh, and badass himself, uh, Joe Prusner. How you doing, man? Good, Rob. Um, Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming in. Okay. So, so I literally just met you like right. ten minutes ago. Yeah. And um, I uh, we got in touch with a uh, kind of mutual friend of ours, uh, Tom DeMasters. That's right, Tom DeMasters. And yeah, he's he's a really nice guy. Nice guy. Great guitar player. Uh, good musician all around, great theory knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he and uh, he's already been on the show, uh, whatever episode that was. But um, but yeah, and uh, and you guys met uh, at Wichita State, That's right? Right. which is my alma mater, which That's is totally right. cool. Wichita State, uh, we were there. I think we graduated the same year. You guys did graduate. You, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I've got <laughs> I've got the paper someplace. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's cool, man. And uh, just to mention, you know, that was during the heyday of like Jerry Hahn. He's he's a big name down in the area. Exactly, exactly. Right. It was and was great. You know, studied studied with Jerry uh, and uh, like these jazz improv classes. A big group of people, and mm -hmm. Jerry has a great sense of humor, and the classes were great. Oh yeah. And then the other terrific thing was being able to go see him play oh yeah you know which, which of course is where you maybe you learn more in in that kind of environment oh sure yeah yeah and i i never i don't know if i ever got to hear him play <laughs> I, I heard just heard i mean he was like legend status yeah. you know i mean i just heard everybody yeah. talk about him and yeah craig owens was the guy i don't know if you know craig but he's the predecessor or whatever to him and uh and he, he talked about him very, very highly. Yeah. Um, so um, so one of the reasons why uh, Tom mentioned uh, or suggested that you come talk talk with us on the show is that um, is that you you definitely have a have a good uh, good history playing music and stuff. And uh, you're a bass player, by the way, right? That's right. Upright and electric. Mm -hmm. That's my money maker. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool, man. And so, so like for for some of the people that don't know you, just you know, um, you know, tell tell them a little bit about some of the stuff that you've done. Or right, whatever. right. Well, talking, uh, we we just were talking about Tom DeMasters. I was uh, I went to Wyandotte High School mm -hmm. in Kansas City, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tough school, mm -hmm. but man, you get an education there. But there were some great uh, great players. Oscar Polk, who's playing around, uh, mm -hmm. Tim Bailey, a lot of great players. So we had a terrific uh, four-piece jazz ensemble. Wayne uh, Hawkins was, mm -hmm. was uh, I know Wayne. Wayne, we graduated he's, the same year. He's something else. He's man. a great Very player. Good keyboard player. Great player. So we had a we had a quartet in, at Wyandotte, and uh, like the first time I ever saw Tom, he was kind of peeking his head around mm -hmm. the door, saying, "Who's that band?" And so mm -hmm. then I, I uh, Tom and I had a trio. In, uh, at Wichita State, we played mm -hmm. downtown at uh, at the Oyster Bar <laughs> on Douglas, and uh, that was great. Again, that's you know talking about gigging and and uh, listening to people. The best way to learn jazz, if you ask me, is on the gig. Mm. You get in a you know for young guys, get in a trio. We didn't get much money. We got free uh, uh, shrimp. All you could eat <laughs> two nights a week when you're in college, you know, it's a pretty good thing. <laughs> so you don't get dollars anymore, you get shrimp, right? That, that's how yeah. this works now. I think we got we got ten bucks, you Isn't know, right? ten bucks a night, wow. and uh, all the shrimp you can eat. <laughs> so yeah, that is funny, man. Yeah, yeah. And so you were uh, so so. Let's stay on that for a second, though, because you're mentioning a really good point. Because in classical. We go have 19 rehearsals and then one gig, right? And then, like, in the country scene, I've noticed since I've been in the country scene, it's like 19 gigs for one rehearsal, right? Right, And, and a lot of people have this argument with different bandmates and different people that are learning about how much, how much do you learn at a gig? You know, can you have everything ready to go and right. then you play pretty awesome or does it go the other way? Right. Or? I, I think it's, it, as you say, I think it's a different thing uh, in the classical world than in uh, rock and jazz. Mm -hmm. um, the classical 
thing. Now, I, I got a master's degree from Indiana University, mm-hmm. studied with Murray Rodner there, a fantastic bass teacher. But you, you really, really would shed all of the uh, parts for you know symphonic repertoire if that's what you're heading into. Mm-hmm. I also, by the way, just so you know, I played in the Wichita Symphony when I was there mm-hmm. as well cool. as the yeah. trio. And then after that, uh, played with different band, uh, different orchestras in the, the Bay Area, including getting to sub regularly with the San Francisco Symphony mm-hmm. and. Uh, they, San still, they still have a huge reputation for being an excellent symphony. They yeah. just fantastic. Uh, I started. They did the Metallica one, didn't they? They did. Yeah, they did. The S and M album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's the only had, reason why I know of them actually. Yeah, well, yeah, but, yeah. but they, I've heard yeah. very, very good things. I miss the fact that I didn't get to play on them. Mm, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, but. But yeah, going back to that though, that it's very important in for anybody that's heading. Or thinking about uh, orchestral career, to really become very familiar with the repertoire, mm-hmm. I think, to be able to to transition well into an orchestra, mm-hmm. because there your parts are written out, and then of course in rock a lot of times you're playing parts as well, mm-hmm. you know, so you you need to learn that. But the jazz environment, I think, learning on the job is the is the best thing because it it's always a creative. Uh, Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, that's, I guess, a good point because it's obviously in classical, it's going to sound different because you're sitting there by yourself and you're, and then you get with the group and it's obviously different. But jazz, it's really different, right? I mean, you can sort of know your head and you can sort of know the chords and stuff, but it's always going to be just, whoa, what's going on? You know, you're just yeah. going, 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 and people are improv and yeah. make, making it up, and then they go over here and like... That's right, yeah, and, so. and you play with different players, and mm-hmm. everybody's got a little something different to say yeah. and, and all that, yeah. And the and then in classical, like, the music is so ridiculously hard when you're up at a, you know, uh, San Francisco Symphony kind of level. I mean, the music's ridiculous, right? So it, you, it you can't be. just show up and sight read it. I no. mean, you just yeah. you can't, right? Yeah, well... You know, I mean, that's one thing about learning the repertoire, right. because, you know, for me, I might get called on a Tuesday morning saying, can you be here at 11 o'clock for a rehearsal, <laughs> you know, and in that case, you really hope that, you know, I mean, if you're playing a Brahms symphony or something like that, yeah, yeah you know, you know the notes, mm-hmm. so you can, you know, pay attention, but the very first gig I did with them was a Bela Bartok's divertimento mm. for strings mm. and oh I, yeah. yeah if you've played yeah, sure. you know, I haven't played that but I know about Bartok yeah. I mean, he, he's really all over the place yeah. right? I mean yeah. it's not straight ahead not so. at all not at all the yeah. level of difficulty is, right. is way up there so as you say you gotta you know to keep act, uh, being a substitute in that orchestra I definitely had to spend some hours oh sure yeah yeah and you're yeah and you're not and being a substitute in that, I, I can't even imagine how ridiculous that would be, you know, because, I mean, you're getting full rehearsal schedule as a regular player, and then you're coming in and dealing, yeah. deal with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's, exactly. Uh, and they expect you to perform, or otherwise they don't call you back. Yeah, so right, 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 yeah. yeah. You better you better get it together, <laughs> yeah. And then, so you, uh, the orchestras, you said you were in the Malaysian Symphony, too, or you've done many of the... Yeah, that, that's right. Well, that's... Yeah. Uh, I just uh, left that job uh, this summer, mm-hmm. uh, Malaysian Philharmonic. I uh, auditioned uh, in Los Angeles about 20 years ago, mm-hmm. got offered the job, and uh, took it. I've been playing over there for quite a while. Started uh, work, yeah, started in the section, and then uh, took auditions internally and moved up to second chair, yeah. principal yeah. base. Got to no, do that's a lot no of joke. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good conductors, a lot of not good conductors, but we won't go into that. <laughs> but uh, Fabio Luisi, uh, Donald Ronicles, mm-hmm. uh, Case Bockles, some really fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic musicians. Yeah. That's it, a great job. One thing that I think is so cool, and I think you and I are probably really similar in this way, that uh, there's a guy in town, uh, what's his name, Marvin Grunbaum, I don't know if you know him, but he's a, he's a viola player, but but he plays tons of like fiddle stuff, and he's very good at jazz, and he's viola in Casey Symphony, and you don't see that very much. You don't see the crossover a whole lot. What's yeah. why, why, why do you think that is? Well, 
I don't like, know. In, in regards mean, to classical, and then I, I consider it to be like everything else is pretty much similar to me of country, rock, blues, what, uh, mm. jazz, whatever. Yeah. How, how do, why do yeah. you think that is? I don't know. It, it, I mean, it's an interesting point for sure. I knew more guys in California that, that crossed over and did mm. different styles than I, than I have other places. Mm. And I'm never, I, I don't know. Maybe it's upbringing or something. I know when I was uh, going to school here, I was playing a lot of different styles, listened to a lot of different styles. My parents and my older siblings uh, listened mm-hmm. to a lot of styles. And, and like you, I've always been interested in, in a lot of different styles and, and play them and, yeah. and work you know, in different styles as well. I think that like, because I've noticed this definitely in, in the academia world is that you have, you have these classical guys that are, they get, they get told that when they're, or when they're playing like Beethoven or something, that this is pretty much as good as it gets. I mean, this is beautiful music. I mean, it's it's timeless, yeah. and and this is like, you 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 can't. This style of music cannot be like overtaken or something. They they get that mentality, and so when they when they go over to country or blues or whatever, they're like. And it, it, I think in their mind, they, they've got kind of a book syndrome figured out where like this stuff is like book 10 mm. and then blues and country is like book two, right. you know, and yeah. they kind of have that kind of mentality yeah. in their head. Yeah. And that's in that's regards right. to like technique because the, you playing like a Mahler symphony and then going over and playing your cheating heart, yeah. it's, you know, technique wise, it's not even in the same universe, you know what I mean? But there are, you know, there's a whole bunch of really great things about country, which is why an opera singer has a monstrous voice, but he comes sing country, and you're like, oh, uh, no, it's not really working, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. he's tapering notes too much, right. right? He's doing too much vibrato. He's, do, you know, his technique and all that stuff is, right. you know, you... You know, you want to actually not enunciate completely perfectly. Exactly, you know, they, exactly. all that kind of stuff. And is, have a, uh, no vibrato sometimes, real flat. So right, and so, yeah. so I think the classical people get the mentality that that is beneath me, all yeah. these other genres. Yeah. And then you get over to the blue, like blues guys in town, for example. Whenever I come and talk to them, they're all like, oh, dude, Muddy Waters. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude, Steve Ray Vaughan. Oh, man, dude, dude, man. You know, and then yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like... I'm like, you think they're like the best guitar player ever, ever, like ever, really? Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. like, you ever, you ever heard of Wes Montgomery? Yeah. You ever heard of like, you know, right, the right. 10,000 others guys, you can mention? John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin. And yeah. so they, I don't know. That's, that's my opinion is they think that there's nothing else there. And then these guys, the classical people know it's all there. Yeah. They just are like, oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's weird. We, we can have this conversation for a long time and maybe <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. Right. I wonder, I mean. Thinking about my own experiences going to Wichita State and going to Indiana University, both of them had great jazz programs. So I wonder, maybe sometimes it has to do with uh, being in a conservatory or something where like that's the only thing they listen to and, and maybe they listen to their teachers a little too much. To, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. I mean, there's there's definitely a difference between everybody that comes out of academia and then... I thought that's all there really was. And then after I get out here, I'm realizing all these blues guys, uh, you know, uh, untrained, right? Yeah. All the, the, a lot of the jazz guys are definitely trained, but you know, the rock guys, the country guys, the Irish musicians, they're all not trained, you know? And like, so it was, I think you'd probably get different answers from yeah. those people. But, yeah. but you know, I mean, you think about, well, let's say Steve Vai, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Beck. I mean, now these guys are, are phenomenal yeah. uh, technicians. You know, right. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, so, so, and, and the last thing I'll say about a little bit about your history, I guess, is that, uh, you know, not to, um, not to name drop, but you, you've heard of, you've heard of Joe Walsh, haven't you? I have heard of Joe Walsh. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of a story right here. Well, he loaned me his uh, rental car, which was a, man, what was it? It was really nice. Uh, and then my aunt, who is his mother, mm-hmm got really mad he was joe was on tour he's my cousin okay. my first cousin and uh he, he comes down and he says which one of you guys has a license and i said i do so <laughs> here's the keys and uh yeah the next morning my aunt joe's walsh's mother was not a happy woman mm-hmm. 
Aunt Tuffy was was kind of what, what age was that? Was that like high I, school age? Or yeah, I, yeah. I, I'd had my license for a little while. I was yeah. maybe 18. I was yeah. maybe 17. But yeah, she didn't think I was so great. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And therefore, and you you guys are from Wichita. I mean, yeah, Joe Walsh is very known that, down in Wichita. That's right. That's right. Uh, I was talking with my mom about the whole thing. His his uh, biological father. Bob Fiddler went to college with my dad, I think, and uh, somehow they all got introduced. My mom and uh, her sister, Joe Walsh's mom, uh-huh. man. Uh, so all of that. And then I'm, yeah, all, all down there in Wichita. He's older than me, of course, so uh-huh. uh, yeah, didn't hang out with him too much. But I did get to work with him. He was really, really nice. He invited me to uh, play a session with him in uh, Santa Barbara, and uh, which was, man, I talk about state-of-the-art, great studio. Yeah, wow. Just yeah. everything. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, too. Oh, no, right? yeah, yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and then it sounds like, you know, not to, you know, not to name drop hard, but, yeah, I mean, you're telling me you're getting to, getting to talk to Branford or whatever. And, yeah, and yeah. Else, yeah. Uh, in the uh, Malaysian Philharmonic, I was the go-to guy for... Uh, Jazz bass, of mm-hmm. course, uh, and some other instruments too, guitar and, and uh, mm-hmm. doubling banjo, six-string mm-hmm. banjo. But uh, Branford was there a few times and, and got to work with him, but this last piece I played was by John Williams, mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember the name of the composition. Mm-hmm. It was a, a, for a film uh, with Tom Hanks, maybe, or... or does that ring a bell? Yeah. Where he's getting chased, and uh, John Williams wrote this the middle section of this piece for uh, saxophone, vibes, and upright bass, and it's it's killer. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. really hard, and, yeah, well, and it was great to play it. Me and the uh, vibes player, who who was also uh, from the orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, practiced a lot. Yeah, yeah as you yeah. can imagine. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah that'd be. Most nerve wracking crap yeah. in the entire world, though. Exactly, thing. exactly. And then, yeah. you know, in, in the first rehearsal, we played it, and it was. And just, so Branford's playing. Yeah, Saxon. Branford's yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's a great guy. Sure. Really, just a salt of the earth man. Wonderful guy. Yeah. Uh, but we pretty much nailed it. And yeah. uh, that was that was a great feeling. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's really great, man. I mean, I'm all I'm all about name dropping on this show. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I'm not just kidding. But so so one of the, so so one of the other questions I was going to ask you that I'm always curious about because I'm you know I'm not an expert about the gigging in this town, but I definitely have some sort of an idea about the scene and stuff. Um, some of the other towns that you've been in, what's the kind of like gigging environment? And I'm talking about kind of the guys on the like. The symphony level, the the studio guys, you mm-hmm. know that, that not the Brantford, you know, mm-hmm. level, but but the, the right. other kind of lower level guys. Right. Well, what tell tell me some stuff about some of the other, you know, places you've been to in regards to like what what are musicians kind of looking for getting kind of paid for like like j- a jazz gig for example or right. or like the networking between musicians and finding gigs and stuff. And, yeah, yeah. Well, in. Uh, in the symphonic world, uh, I just took all the auditions I could when mm-hmm. I got to the Bay Area, and uh, then you get to meet, uh, you start meeting people, and and uh, they know what your playing's like, and mm-hmm. and uh, you get the calls. It, being reliable is extremely important mm-hmm. in, in terms of networking and that, in that thing, being on time, wearing the right color shoes. Which I didn't do one time, but I, I since then I learned my lesson. Uh, in, uh, <clears throat> in so so let's yeah. let's stay on that. So so with the regards to being reliable, that's definitely a big uh, thing that weeds people out in this town. I've noticed, you know, because yeah. like how many how many good piano player jazz guys are there in the town? I mean, I don't even want to guess. There's yeah. a lot, you a know, lot. and so, a lot of good guitar uh, or players. drummers right. would be another example. There's a crap load of good drummers in town that are plenty capable of playing your show, like talent wise. Yeah. But how, uh, how important is that to not be flaky with the phone, right? And not be, not show up late. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Well, very, very important. 
very important. If you if you want to, you know, really pursue that and get work, then yeah, you got to be reliable. Show up on time. Your, uh, you know, make sure your equipment is working, and uh, and then you know, be reason a reasonable human being. <laughs> you know, and then how many of them does that weed out? Yeah, you know, being yeah. not a not a reasonable human yeah, being. Yeah, well, I've you know, I've been fighting with the band leader and blah yeah, blah blah. Yeah, that kind of stuff too. Yeah, <laughs> like just smile and yeah. So that's what you it, do, right? Is you smile and nod, and then that's that's it. Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's, and, that's the lesson. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and play good. And play good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, gig wise, I don't know how Kansas City is. I know I've been offered a, a few gigs of seventy five, a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and that seems to be about the the way it is for pickup gigs. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's pretty much what it is here. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, if you're if you're getting, you know, a hundred. 125 plus tips. That's a that's a pretty pretty good day. Right. Even even three four hour gigs. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What can you say? The the, mm. the supply and demand and the market and you know it is what it is. We'd we'd all like to see the the pay go up, but sure. uh, yeah. it just is what it is. The market yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it, and so like with the networking stuff, I know one thing I, I like to talk about and the whole point of the show is that I've met so many people here and the, one of the reasons why I've met so many people is because there is a mentality here of openness, you know, people mm. are like interested right. in even, and, and I've heard this being different in other towns, even guitar players being friends with other guitar players, <laughs> which in, in some towns I've heard it is not exactly yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, I know for me, like I'm rarely playing like any other gig with another fiddle player, you know, and definitely in a string quartet or a symphony thing I am, but, but like a jazz gig, they're never hiring two fiddle players. So I, I know some of them. But all of my friends are like bass and drummers, you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. saxophone players or whoever, you know, guitar players. And so uh, what, what's been your experience in other towns in regards to like networking? Right. Well, I think, I mean, one thing about Kansas City that I realize when I come here, when, whenever I come back, and I've, you know, been around the world a bit, mm-hmm. certainly the Northern Hemisphere, uh, is that it's truly a friendly town. Kansas City is a friendly place, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's easy to have conversations that where you might not uh, be able to do that in in other cities, you know. Certainly Kuala Lumpur, uh, where I was living, mm-hmm. it's much more difficult to have conversations. Um, so I think that's that's one aspect of it, but also thinking about uh, about KL in Malaysia, I'm glad I wasn't a freelancer there because it can. It, it, there was a lot of uh, unfriendly behavior between, wow. between different, yeah. uh, you know, in, falling in and out with different people. And I was really happy that I didn't have to deal with that. I mean, I had, a, had my own uh, quartet that I uh, did with a fantastic violin player, Miroslav mm-hmm. Danish, who's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, from Czechoslova- uh, Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, the, he's got that gypsy stuff in mm-hmm. in his blood, and it's, yeah, wow. uh, so anyway, had I had yeah. that quartet, and there were a lot of times where you know we'd have to hire uh, some extra guys to come in depending on the gig, and the kind of uh, I don't want to say malicious, but the kind of vibe between some of the different players was was not. Great. Yeah. I mean, they'd be telling you about other people, and you and man, I I don't really want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, KC is definitely a jam kind of town. Like even even our shows, people have people come in, sit in on their shows. Even not not just the open jams, but their shows. They even run sort, of, and then even people run because we have so many musicians that are, in my opinion, sort of lazy. Instead of instead of like book or playing songs that are a bunch of like seven eight chord country tunes, they'll play like Can't You See no. instead, Marsha Tucker, like three no. chord tune. You know, they'll they'll just pick tunes that are really easy, right. and then so they can have anybody. They never have to practice, right? Because right. everybody can all come in and just do it, yeah. and then subs can just come in and do it, right. and then all the jams are obviously very jammy, where everybody just gets really good at 
you know, just yell out, hey, shuffle an A, okay, you know, and everybody does their shuffle an A, and mm -hmm. slow booze and D, okay, you know, right. and, it. and right. so everybody just, like, has this mentality of really uh, jamming together, and they, and it's really cool, it's, it's a really cool thing, because I think a lot of places don't do that, but I think that mentality is sometimes can be annoying, because everybody's doing can't you see you know mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. that song but everybody's doing songs like that right. where it's just really easy it's good yeah. it's a good song yeah. i love playing it but they never do uh you never hear like in like the classic rock world you never hear money mm -hmm. pink floyd you never hear ramblin man you never hear like some of these other songs that some guys might be able to play but that's that's a little too much work you know yeah. i just want to be able to come in and play yeah. and not really do yeah. anything yeah. <laughs> you know so yeah. i think the whole mentality is sort of that way and so that leads back to my point about why one of the reasons why it's so advantageous to not piss everybody off in mm. town right cuz everybody there's somebody in tonight that's going to need a sub in town right. somewhere Right, right. Somebody, you know, or maybe 10 different bands need a bass player. Right, right. Well, have them call me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, for real, because everybody always could have a gig. But anyway, yeah. Um, so, like, so for you being a, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what, what are some other, like, some other, like, musical things now we're talking about with being, like, a good, like, kind of studio type guy to get calls and stuff. What are some now musical things that right, would right. be wise to have? Well, uh, I tell you, on the upright bass, of course, intonation mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, is a thing. And also on, on, on fretless electric, you know, you yeah. got to really work that. And, uh, you know, practicing scales and arpeggios uh, for intonation on, mm -hmm. on, those, yeah. on a fretless instrument is... Uh, it's a really good way to work on that, dude. Intonation on an upright, screw that. Yeah, man, my my viola is hard enough, man. You guys are like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I always say, like, whole area you know, that, like, that's a whole step. Yeah, and for you know, a fiddle player, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that and uh, uh, a good time. You know, um, sure. I I've had a lot of different discussions with different teachers. Uh, over the years about working with a metronome or a drum machine but I personally find it to be very beneficial yeah. very beneficial yeah. and 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 even then sometimes I mean this is you know when you're working on it when you're a younger guy uh, playing with a drum machine or <coughs> or a metronome and then turning it off and then playing the same thing and recording yourself and seeing where you're you know where you see lapsed. if the metronome's getting faster. Exactly. See if the metronome's broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you're getting slower. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. But, yeah. So okay. So so you're saying that some other people are kind of arguing against metronomes. I know. So, so what what would what would the argue what well, would their argument be then? I know, and, and and getting back to classical guys, it's a lot of a lot of the time it's uh, classical guys, and they're saying they want their students to develop their own inner sense of rhythm. But, you know, it's like, how do you develop that? That's, yeah. that's the question. And I think, you know, whatever uh, technology you can use, as long as you're, as long as it's getting ingrained. Yeah. With, with, uh, I think that's absolutely viable. So, I mean, so so the, the best solution would be start with it and then take it out, right? Yeah. Because I, yeah. I love the argument that you can't, you're at the gig and you don't have a drummer. What you gonna do? Right. You know, I mean, yeah. you gotta have that. You know, exactly. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I hear that argument. That's a good. That's a good argument for sure. That you can't just because I think this happens in maybe like middle schools and high schools a lot, where the teacher knows that the metronome is really good, but then, but then it's the crutch. I mean, is is that their argument? Of, well, I I suppose it, so. And and it's exactly as you say. The the idea is not to rely on it. But to learn from it, you know, mm -hmm. so you can't you can't turn it on and use it all the time. Mm -hmm. Certainly, although if you know in the studio, if you want to create a, a you know pop, really uh, hit kind of direction, then you know being uh, straight in time is very important because you got to layer tracks. Yeah, so, sure, so working sure. with the click track and right. all that. Mm -hmm. But that, that's the studio, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, so, exactly right. Yeah, working so, with so I guess that what I was getting at with what you need to be a studio player, and I wasn't going to ask this, but this is actually a good question, that 
So I know I've had a lot of arguments with like students, parents, and then definitely other musicians about the idea of being really broad or being like a specialist and about, and it, so this like kind of in regards to, should I get average to good on like three or four different instruments mm. or be a complete badass on one right. or doing that with like genres for instance where right. you where you're you're a guy and you get pretty good at, at blues rock jazz country yeah. or blues rock country whatever but then you kind of whatever about classical and you just kind of stay in your little zone or you get or you're a blues guy yeah. And you dabble off into a couple rock songs here and there, a couple country tunes that are bluesy, but you kind of stay. What, what's your What's your opinion on that in regards to studio guys? Well, I think I mean one thing is uh, it probably depends on the individual. If you have a real craving, say, to be a concert violinist or or to play you know violin in an orchestra, then definitely that you should pursue and and really do that. But I know I mean for myself. Uh, it's worked out really well being able to play different instruments and different styles. And of course, I was, I'm always been interested in that too. So, I mean, from an individual perspective, I wanted to learn and wanted to play uh, a lot of the, you know, different styles. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's worked out well for me professionally. I mean, uh, you contractors, people that, that, that uh, hire you, Word gets out that you play these different uh, styles and whatnot. Uh, I mean, a new thing I'm putting on my resume is that I can play the banjo part for Porgy and Bess, mm -hmm. for instance. Because <laughs> I did that with a guy named Wayne Marshall mm -hmm. over in uh, in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's very good, I think, for musicians to learn at least a little something about other styles. Sure. You know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of work, yeah. I mean, it it depends. Depends on what you're doing. I mean, if you're a bass player with a, with an established band, then you know, work on that and and dedicate your time to the mm -hmm. band because that that's also a marvelous thing when you got four or five guys that play together all the time and, mm -hmm. and they, you can hear it, can't you? Yeah. You, you can. can hear it. That, yeah, yeah. You guys have been playing about four years together. You can, yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah. For sure. I guess I. I'm always frustrated, I guess, when, because I noticed this when my when I was with my ex girlfriend and she was really into Irish stuff, and so we'd go down to the Irish jams, which I'd never really experienced before, and it was really cool. I was right. uh, it was just a whole genre of music that I know, but I was noticing that everybody walks in with like five cases, yeah. you know, and they have their mandolin and their banjo and their guitar and then their fiddle and their yeah. and their whistle and like I mean everybody has their yeah. and then my my opinion is that there was like maybe one or two guys that could go over to the banjo and like hack it pretty hard and actually, you know and then yeah. they get out their fiddle and they have enough bow grip and enough you know to really get some stuff going yeah. but it just felt like a lot of them were you know and this is this is harsh but kind of kind of average on like five instruments yeah you yeah. know and uh yeah. to me like the up and so, to me, upright and electric, as a bass player, you're probably going to tell me that there is a lot of differences there. But to me, those are so similar compared to, like, clarinet and bass, right. you know? And right. so, I understand that all of those are strings, and a lot of them are picking and stuff. And even, like, viola to violin is really similar, you know? I mean, you use basically the exact same bow grip. Right, right. It. So, it's Just like, so... Pressure. Fingers right and, and a little bit of tone but it's it's basically the same thing and and so I and and then when people come and ask me like uh, I'll like hi I'll, I'll have my band and I I want this guy for guitar and he's like well I play a little bass why don't you hire him for guitar and have me do bass and I'm like no I want you on guitar uh -huh. this is what you play I yeah. want you tearing yeah. it up on the guitar and not sort of kind of on yeah. the bass yeah. you know so right. like uh, yeah, I, I like. Right. I, I totally understand what you're saying about not just genres, but different instruments. Anyways, because we have different knowledge now. Both of us could have a conversation about clarinet, and neither one of us play it. We right. would both be able to have at least something to say about the clarinet. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but it, so I guess my, I guess my thing is, do people get into the symphony playing five instruments? Well, no. That, that you know, the and short that, that, answer, yeah, yeah, having exactly. fun, yeah, 
go for it. Sure. But sure, exactly. are you going to ever become Michael Jordan playing five sports? Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know what you think about exactly. that. Is, well, is no, that, that fair? Or is that's, that, no, know? I think that is fair. Um, you know, and my, I mean, my doubling on, I can, in in an orchestra situation, I've played a little bit of rhythm guitar, and again, I've got a banjo, which is a doubler's banjo as well. It's a six-string mm -hmm. instrument, so it, I'm like a fake banjo player. Is and, that guitar tuned? Guitar tuned, yeah, tuned yeah, like a guitar. Yeah. And actually, I've even, I even uh, was asked to play mandolin, just a little rhythm, and I tune that like, the top four strings of a guitar, and yeah, cheater. But, no, I'm just yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm not at all a player like that. But yeah, when you you know when you talk about the Irish festival and stuff like that, it's like I think you are talking about a lot of guys that are that are not uh, professional musicians. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and they love playing the different instruments, and that's fun too. But you know, in terms of uh, getting that. That real high level of proficiency. Yeah, you can't get me get. Uh, I think yeah, you got to kind of narrow it down. So, and I even do that. I cause uh, I'm kind of more of a multi-person when it comes to genres, mm. which are you, which it sounds like you are too. You you right. know maybe my my advice would be stick to your one instrument because then you you gain this thirty years of technique, thirty years of muscle memory, thirty, and then you. But you're now diving out into different genres, but that's not screwing with your technique as much, right? That's your bow right, grip yeah. is still the same, yeah. no matter if you're playing yeah. jazz, if you're playing, you know. Right. right. And so I, yeah, I don't know. That that's just, uh, and maybe maybe the way that I'm wrong about my opinion of this is, is I'm I'm putting professional standards on somebody that's not wanting to be a professional. And well, they, that I, could I mean, that could certainly be, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then of course some of them are. And, uh, and great, great players for sure. Yeah. But uh, an awful lot are, are uh, I don't think that's their main, their main goal. Cool. Yeah. It is mine, and it's not theirs. And maybe that's unfair. He had to do that. Um. All right. So I, I got a couple more for you here. Sure. Um, what was a thing in a previous band um, that didn't work very well? Well, I knew a guy that really wanted to be the lead singer. And man, he he just he he didn't really even sing. He just kind of had this talking vocal thing, you know. Mm. And people used to say that. And and uh, I was I don't know I was about nineteen or something, and I got uh, talked into by this guy into uh, going up to South Dakota and trying to work in a small town there. And uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, maybe I wanted to see South Dakota. <laughs> it, so, so what did he think that was his style or yeah, something like, that like was kind it. of a that was it. I don't he know was, what even yeah. like a James Brown style or yeah, something where, right, where yeah, you're yeah, kind of half singing. You know, yeah. yeah, but it wasn't nearly as good as sure yeah. as uh, James Brown. I'm thinking, uh, uh, who was the guy? Uh, the Eye of the Cat, something like that. Uh, who, who who had kind of a bit of a vocal style in his singing. Oh, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy wanted to do that. He, he just, it didn't, it never really yeah. made it to pitch. And, uh, you know, people used to come up and go, well, you guys sound pretty good, but what's with the, you know, mm. how come you're not singing? Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it. I've, I don't know, I've had some other bands that didn't, uh, didn't work out. I, uh, do you, do you know Paul Elwood by any chance? Mm. Mm. Great great banjo player, great composer, and we got along great in every band that I was ever in with him. But uh, we were, since we were at Wichita State, we were also studying new music, mm -hmm. right? uh, aleatoric, uh, mm -hmm. adding some different effects in. And I remember one time we were doing something that uh, the words were something about down dirty in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. So we started making some string noise and stuff like that. And, uh, this guitar player just turned around and was like, forget it, you guys are out of the band. Wow, yeah, wow. <laughs> so you guys had a creative, artsy thing that yeah. you were going to try to make this cool, and he was not having yeah, that. he huh? was not having that. Yeah. And that was fine. I was I was happy to say, okay. So the the other guy that did the, the talk singing thing, so, so again, as a band leader, I'm really curious. So what happened with that? Like, how did that get resolved? It, or it, like, what... The band fell apart, and yeah. and and that seems to be uh, 
the case most of the time. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm always curious how people handle moments like that, yeah. right? When, when it's like, when you have something like maybe what he was doing was this monstrous elephant in the room that the whole audience could tell, the whole band could tell. Yeah. And then how do somebody, as a teacher, I want to know how do I deal with this moment how do i come how do i come at this guy yeah what words do i need to use what timing do i need when do i need to tell him right do i need do i tell him you know like yeah that that's the stuff that i think that's the number one reason why bands die is Mm. because of the personal relationships and people get pissed with each other or whatever right right i mean uh, yeah you have any thoughts on that about well i do again and and thinking of, of you know if it's a bandmate it's different than if it's a student if it's a student, mm-hmm. you have in some ways an easier time. You've got a bit of an obligation to, to tell them. Mm-hmm. And then, you, at least for me, I try to uh, form the words based on what I know about the personality of the, of the mm-hmm. student. You know, yeah. Can he deal with a kind of hard thing or do you come about it and say, maybe this is not exactly the right direction for you if you right where yeah whereas with bandmates sometimes you just say man it ain't working Mm -hmm. (laughs) or this whatever is not working not not that the band itself isn't working but this part of the band is not like yeah these songs this way you're singing yeah yeah and exactly and what can we do to make it a better ensemble you might ask a question like that I know uh, Charles Barkley was talking about basketball on, on TV, and he was talking about that moment where, when he became the leader of a the kind of leader of the team, he that was the hard, He said that was the hardest thing about becoming a leader is knowing who he could yell at and who he couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, because some guys, yeah. especially in this, this is well known in the football world. I mean, people just scream. They just scream at you. The coach is screaming at you, and and some people will will pump them up and then they'll play better and some people just you know yeah go in the corner and fetal you know yeah. fetal position yeah. you know like yeah. and so and he was joking that most of the time you figure that out too late you know i thought that was a funny thing for yeah. him to say is that unfortunately <laughs> what we want is we want to know beforehand you know we yeah. want to know which we yeah. want to have that yeah. intuitiveness and they were to another sports analogy they talked about people like Phil Jackson and Chuck Daly, basketball coaches that were just geniuses with people. Yeah. You know, they could just tell what the, what is gonna. What, they they had this big book and they just knew like which paragraph to pull out for this guy right now, and they just had this genius That's way. Of, but of that psycho- comes after psychology after, after some of, time of, of dealing with people. And I mean, and I think mm-hmm. that has to do with it too. Perspective, you know, mm-hmm. how how long you've been been kind of at it and uh, judging character based on that. Yeah, I was just thinking about. One story. I don't know if this is appropriate, but I taught at. It's UC, probably not. It's probably not. I taught at UC Santa Cruz, and I mm-hmm. had I had this student who man, the guy he didn't practice. He didn't practice, mm-hmm. and he would come in. At, sometimes he practiced, yeah. but he'd come into lesson stone sometimes uh-huh. too. Yeah. So I used to just get behind him and go, you know, make noises mm-hmm. until he turned around, and then I would just pretend that, and and then. I noticed that that behavior changed. He stopped coming to he could stop coming to class stone. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think well that was one way to deal with that kid anyway. <laughs> so what were what were you trying to do there? What was the what Well, was just the... make him uncomfortable. Oh. You know, make him uncomfortable with the, wow. with the fact that he hadn't practiced and that he was coming to to lessons. Wow. Not That's interesting. Yeah, see I would have never thought to take it or to come come at him like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, work a bit on the psychology. Not, I don't know that I'm that good at it, but right, yeah. I just, I'm always fascinated with that because I am just, I, I'm really fascinated. I've said this on the show about every time is that I'm fascinated by things that like trump other things. Like so, for example, in teaching, when you have the greatest book ever written by a man, but nobody wants to read it, right? It's done. Yeah. You know, you have the greatest teacher in the world, but the student doesn't want to listen. It's yeah. done. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. you have the greatest idea for a band, period, but this guy won't call you back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like there. I'm just fascinated by those moments and thinking about what what is in my power in that moment. If it's teaching or as a band, what there there is something that's in my power, but the whole the whole part of this is not mm-hmm. in my power. There's mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. they don't answer the phone, they don't answer the phone. I can't make them. You yeah. Know? But yeah. But uh, but teaching wise, what is there a little trick that this, you know, awesome 50 year old teacher knows that I don't know? 
right. you know, that, that it works for him and it might work for 75% of the time of this situation. Yeah. I want to go learn that trick, obviously, so I can, you know, up my ante. Right, you know? right, right. So, yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think maybe uh, studying with different teachers you get mm. or going to master classes, in, mm. in, you know, which is a great thing about uh, universities and conservatories. Yeah. You, you get some perspective on, on the way some of the master teachers, uh, yeah, what they do. Handle something. Yeah. yeah. I know my, my teacher one time, and man, this stuck with me. I don't know if you can do this in the university anymore, but I was, I was playing a spiccato passage. Mm. And he comes up and he slugged me in the arm and said, into the string. Into the string. I was like, okay, Mary, I, yeah, I got That's it. That's funny. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We can smack our students around. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you just... <laughs> You know, if you want a lawsuit, then it's cool, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's and getting their attention, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. man. It's stuck. And I, you know, I've played, played that passage the right way, I believe, since then. Yeah, that's funny. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm always, I'm always wondering about that, about how hard to go, you know. And, and obviously yeah. not screaming and yelling, but I'm always feeling like the motivation, because I, I look at it as a spectrum. You have the drill sergeant, and then you have the, you know, motivation side. And I'm always wanting... What really what I want is this side, you know, that's what I want, but I've realized that that just doesn't work all the time. So yeah. now I've come more to this side yeah. and, but then I feel like a little bit that there's no, that when I'm all nice, there's no consequences. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's like, it's obvious this balance right. thing you get. Yeah. So I don't well, know if there's really an answer, but maybe, yeah. you know, maybe one thing is to, is to tell the student that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm asking you to do these things because you're not going to get a job if you don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, just be something that I'm definitely going to have to, I'm probably, there's no, you know, it may be kind of a journey type of a situation instead of a destination, find the final answer, you know, right. like 38 or something, but, yeah. um, cool. Uh, two, two more for you here. Um, we, we've talked a lot about general advice, but, um, do you have any advice for specifically like 20 year oldish? giggers or kind of new people that are trying to get into the music scene? Do you have any kind of general advice for them? Well, uh, in terms of, of practicing, do a lot of it mm -hmm. and, and then do, do it right. If you find that, you, mm -hmm. that something isn't working, you need to really break it down, analyze all the different physical aspects of it. And a lot of time it's really just slow, going through the notes slowly if, you, mm -hmm. if you're having trouble with a certain passage mm -hmm. and really getting the motor memory and the, mm -hmm. the whole cog, you know, yep. everything working together. Yeah. Uh, so that's, what, and then listening, you know, I, I was surprised uh, when I was at Indiana University how many people that were in the school of music there didn't listen uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. I think it's really critical. Mm -hmm. uh, listen and, you know, expand your CD collection or Spotify mm -hmm. or whatever. But listen to a lot, of, just listen a lot. Yeah. And practice a lot. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I mean, definitely the, I mean, you hit on my two probably biggest things in my lessons is play it slow and work on parts of it. You mm -hmm. know, don't try to do the whole song. That's right, that's you right. Know? And maybe maybe start with the part you can't play when you oh, begin yes. your practice. Yeah. I mean, start, the, start the hardest part, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I, I'm doing that with a student right now. They're playing this Vivaldi violin concerto, the real famous violin one, but we, we decided, you know, this big five lines, 16 notes is the hardest spot in the song. Right. So we're going to start right now for your April, right. your April contest. We're going to start right now hitting that spot because yeah. this first, this first page is easy, right? We're going to just leave that till the end. You right. know, you're going to hit this hard spot. And so you get now six months to work on this hard spot and get it really good by the time you get. And then exactly. later in, in two months or so, we'll start on the beginning, yeah. which is really easy, you know? Right. And, right. And, uh, and like, I totally agree with the kind of breaking it, not, not just in the sense of, because when I talk to them, I always talk about breaking it down, not just in regards to like the measures or parts of the song, but into the parts of music, mm. like work on just your rhythm or just your bowing or just the spiccato, there just you the, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Separating separating the diff different mm -hmm. physical parts of a, of a passage. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. good. Do, do you ever don't, 
this one? Maybe you do. It, it, I went to a, a uh, International Society of Bassists symposium, uh, symposium one time, and uh, this guy said, look, violin players do this all the time. Take a, a passage, uh, I think it was Mozart's uh, 35th symphony. So, instead of playing... Instead of playing four equal notes, play bum bum ba dum bum ba dum and then ba dum bum ba dum bum bum and then Yeah, my teachers never had me do that, but I've yeah. heard people practicing like that. So, what would the benefit be of doing it like well, that? Well, you 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 see where your fingers uh, stumble a little mm. bit, you know, like where where the notes are that you might have a little difficulty with, and I find uh, you know on a passage like that, it, and it works. Really well with either running sixteenths or running eighth notes, you know that are up tempo. Right. Uh, when you have a long string of yeah, something, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The, the, and, and I guess it also maybe organizes it uh, conceptually a bit. Uh, but if you do that for five or ten minutes and then go back and play the passage the way it's written, you really see some uh, progress. Mm -hmm. Boy, are you are you talking about the? Um, There was an excerpt we did in symphony, and I think that's probably is number thirty-five. It was rough. Yeah, that's a hard one. Is it the yeah? Yeah, they all sound the same, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that was a beast, man. It was piano, yeah, right, and it's it was it was rough. Yeah, I mean, apparently for Mozart, it was easy. That scares you. <laughs> what a jerk. He is such a jerk. Um, and then, yeah, and I like the other thing you said, too, about the listening, because I've sort of noticed that, too, that, because I, I tell people a lot that even though I didn't, gr I didn't grow up with, like, classic rock, for example, I feel like I still grew up with classic rock. They had 101 The Fox on, like, every day. Right. I, I heard... Uh, James Taylor, Carpenters, John right. Denver, Zeppelin. Right. I mean, like all these people, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I heard them all through my childhood sure. because they had them on. Sure. Because well, they, they had them rolling yeah. eat while, while I was playing G.I. Joe's or something, right? They had John Denver rolling. So, exactly. So I, and this happened to me at the jam the other day where I we got up there and the guy calls, uh, what was that song? Oh, Fly Like an Eagle, right? So, so he calls Fly Like an Eagle and I'm like, oh, okay. I've never played that song ever. You've God, got I've heard it, right. it five hundred thousand times. Yeah. I'm like, I love that song. Yeah. And so we got up there, and you know, he starts the. They start the dun dun, and then I mean, in one second, I'm dun 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 dun, boom dun. You know, I that's mean, right. so yeah. it's yeah, you know the listening yeah. just all of a sudden you're just there because you've been listening to all this classical music, mm -hmm. to all this country, to all this. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And of course, some of that stuff fits under your fingers because you practice scales and and patterns mm -hmm. and arpeggios and things, and, and you know that's what mm -hmm. the vocabulary is. Yeah, for playing, you know, anything. And then uh, for sure, jazz. Like you'll uh, a lot of a lot of the chord progressions in jazz are very different, like compared to country. But but they're they're all those just two five two five two five one two five one two five one. You know, all these different versions, and you start hearing those. A million times then yeah. all of a sudden you get over to all the things you are or something right. and then all of a sudden you're like oh this you know and you're yeah. just like okay you know and right right two five and e flat mm -hmm. and then yeah, and then yeah. and then you it's hear that and then you hear that minor and you you know you know that minor is setting you up right here for a two five you know and so you just right. you start boom 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 right. yeah and yeah i think a lot of people don't listen near enough i thought that, that's a great piece of advice that yeah. you said yeah I mean, I've, yeah, I've always said that to, to students all along the, you know, and professionals too. Mm -hmm. sure. That That's Suzuki. That's yeah. the number one thing about Suzuki, and that's why their kids right. are killer when they get to be 17, right. you know. Yeah. It's not just the, it's not just the 14 years of playing they already have, or the 11 years of playing, it's that they, they got killer ears. Right. And they, they've yeah. listened to so much, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah I, I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, uh, cool, man. Well, uh, last thing I was going to ask you is I'm always fascinated by gig stories. Right. I know you've already talked right. about a couple, but yeah, uh, good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure. For you to ask yeah, I mean, you got a, uh, uh, got any ridiculous yeah, ones? Yeah, well, I don't know how, I don't know how, 
how funny it is, but it was funny to me at the time. I was when I was at Indiana University, and I I worked with a drummer, Mr. Friend, and that's who he was, Mr. Mm -hmm. Friend. And Mr. Friend calls me up. He says, "I got a gig. It's a wedding gig." And mm -hmm. you know, in Indiana, you drive south away from Bloomington, and you're really in the country. I mean, mm -hmm. the, like scary. You know, if you're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so you know, you can't. We drove out like this, Deliverance kind of, yeah, country. that kind of, that kind of thing. I was, or you know, or a little bit like a Quentin, yeah, no. Quentin Tarantino film right, or something. Yeah. You drive out in the country, and all of a sudden, it opens up, and and you know, it's there's swamp on either side, and there's, but here's this uh, venue, you know, nice bar, and uh, so we go set up, and and we playing some blues, but the guy also wanted some country stuff, so. Mm -hmm. Doing all that, and then finally got to you know shake hands with the bride and groom and say how you doing. He said we're doing great, and, and this is our third wedding anniversary or third third wedding for both of us. Mm. And you're like, oh well, mm. congratulations! You find the family. So I said, no, no, this is the third time we've been married to each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So this is their <laughs> third wedding together. This one's yeah. gonna work great. <laughs> it's gonna work great. Oh goodness you know, gracious! Save some money, man. Just take separate vacations. And, yeah, know, I've never heard of three times. I've heard of yeah, twice. Yeah, I, I've never heard of that before. The oh, same, God. the same man, the same woman. This was their third wedding. Oh man. Cool. That is funny, dude. Yeah, yeah, like weddings are nuts. <laughs> weddings sometimes can be can be just absolutely crazy yeah. when uh, when you have something awesomely awkward happen. Yeah, and you're on stage. Yeah, what you know? Like, what do you do? Talk about smiling. You know, you mm -hmm. just shake their hand and go, "Yay!" Mm -hmm. Wow, good for you. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, man. But I'm I'm really glad to have you on because you you're obviously you know doing a lot of very similar stuff to, to me and a lot of even other people in town. But uh, mm. but it's it's always nice to talk to somebody who else is not just a music lover, but somebody else that kind of understands like 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 I was kind of talking about where you're in the blues world and they. They know a lot about music, just like you do. But then when you say, you know, you say a name or something, and they're like, "Who is that?" And you're like, oh, "Right, are you serious?" <laughs> yeah. Like Coltrane or something, yeah. you know. And you're just yeah. like, or Stravinsky. even even Stravinsky. I just yeah. thought of Stravinsky. Yeah, that's yeah. funny you said that. But uh, but yeah, you you mention a name and and like this one really gets me. It's like somebody would tell me. They're like, oh man, t uh, Tennessee Waltz. Oh, that's the most beautiful song ever written, you know. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, have you ever heard of like Claire de Lune? Yeah. You know, you ever yeah. heard of like, you know, or anything or in the Romantic era? Have you yeah. ever heard of, like all I mean, that, or or some of the other like, tunes? I mean, like like some of Jennifer Warren's stuff. You know, fabulous stuff with, with Van Dyke Parks. And stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's always it's always nice to, to hear somebody talk, you know, because because um, when they when they you know when I hear somebody talk like a, a little bit about everything always has to be they they'll basically say the mentality that music has to be what the audience wants, period, you know, and that's what music is. Yeah, and then you'll go you'll go kind of in your mind. I'm like, well, hold on, wait a second. You know, some some of our most amazing pieces, everybody hates. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. like, like I always think of like Pink Floyd. You know, where some of the the money or time or some of which right. were here and some of these songs, I'm like, have you ever heard Echoes? You know, or you have you ever, have you ever heard of some of their other right. Adam Hart Mother or some of these other yeah. Adam, you know yeah. that are like right They're really great works of their, art. You know, yeah. that always. Yeah, it's funny yeah. to me when when I listen to somebody and they don't have quite they, the they, perspective of listening. That exactly. Well, that's I mean that's important too to continue to widen your perspectives and you know widen your perspective in a lot of ways. I mean there are there are different audiences, but it's it's great to know that there's things in other genres that are that are really mm -hmm. magnificent uh, pieces. You know, great composition. Last question. I just thought it's do you know Medeski Martin Wood? Do you know those dudes? They're they're a trio, and they're 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 in this kind of area where they're super jazz trained and stuff, and they'll they'll do kind of jammy stuff, and they're they're way more out there than like Fish, if you know if you know yeah. Fish. I mean, yeah. Fish is definitely like rock oriented, but these guys are like yeah. more jazz oriented, oh. and 
what are uh, Chris Wood is their bass player, and he just thumps so hard, and, and it's just they're they're really groove oriented too. Right. Um, what are what are some like bass like, and I'm talking bass wise, some of the like pop artists that you think have like incorporated bass really good or some of these people that are super famous right. like what are some people or not even bass or any but what are, what are some of your favorites that are like pop stuff yeah well i i certainly like joe walsh's stuff yeah and and i tell you if, if uh, anybody don't, don't be a suck up well no <laughs> yeah but but the album barnstorm little bias no, yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> well I, yeah i can, no, you, I can really use a gig man uh no uh Barnstorm, the the first album that he did after after the James Gang had incorporated mm. a lot of uh, kind of elements of classical music, mm. you know, Western classical, uh, and uh, McLaughlin for me is a guy. I guess maybe that's not as quite as pop oriented, mm. but but there again, talking about incorporating different uh, influences, mm. you know, all the Indian classical music mm. and. and uh, who else do I like? Early Genesis, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, they had some um, wild stuff. Didn't yeah, they? I mean, very complicated. Very complicated. Yeah, very complicated. for a pop band. Yeah, yeah. And some of, uh, I mean, some of Lou Reed's stuff, mm. I think, is is great. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. very interesting. Speaking of Eagles, I we we play a bunch of Eagles in our band, and mm-hmm. and we. I've been, because our band is definitely country oriented, but we have a lot of classic rock in there and we do it kind of country-ified. You know, we'll do like like Blackwater, Doobie Brothers, right. Long Train Running. And, that's a great and band. It's, yeah, and that's yeah. another great band, but definitely a lot of like kind of Southern rock kind of stuff, which has got a very country flair, but right. I've been blown away at some of the ego stuff, how country it sounds. Yeah, yeah, and, it's Like, true. I mean, Peace, Lazy Feeling, and um, yeah. some of the... Some of the other tunes that we've been, uh, oh, uh, Lion Eyes, right? You know what right. I mean? And there, there's some beautiful songs that that band did, yeah. And, and it's, yeah. I've been just really surprised how I tell easy you, they, they fit. Their second album, uh, Desperado, mm-hmm. is monumental, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Bernie Leadon playing banjo mm-hmm. on, on all that, and that, there's a guy that could really play, too. oh, yeah, yeah, and they could play banjo as well as guitar, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot of country influence there. Of course, uh, Henley's from Texas, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I didn't know where he was from. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. cool, man. Um, so what else you got? Anything else? Well, I don't know. Uh, used to work with Dan Hicks and the Acoustic Warriors. Oh, yeah. yeah and that's, about boy, that, yeah. I, I think he's one of the, uh, he's a brilliant songwriter. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, if you haven't checked that out, mm-hmm. that that's great stuff. It was great to play in that band too. Talk about a yeah band where everybody could really play and everybody listened. I I was on the I was the junior man there in terms of listening. Uh, those guys had all listened to the hot club stuff, but they'd also listened to a lot of the African American music. Uh, from the 20s and 30s, some fantastic mm. vocal stuff. I mean, you have the blues and, and jazz influence, mm. but but vocal styles, uh, I, I'm drawing a blank in terms of some of the names of the artists, but I mean, uh, you know, Bing Crosby used to work with those with mm. those groups some, and mm. listening to, you know, any of that stuff you can, can listen mm. to is really great. Yeah, I really need to dive in more of that. that. That's about all the jazz I can really play is a lot of the 20s style stuff. I, right. I just can't handle bebop because right. I'm just not good enough. Yeah. But it, but some of that stuff like really sounds great for violin. Yeah, and, and it, there's some great music. Yeah. Stuff Smith? Um, stuff Smith, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a great violin player. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Stefan is the king. You right, know, yeah. yeah. Probably, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that stuff is really cool and I really enjoy listening to that kind of stuff because um, it's, it's not as, this is not even a word, but it's not as labyrinthy as, as the bebop, you know, where right. you're sitting there and you're going through these 70 chords in the song, yeah. Yeah. but it's just complicated enough to really do something cool with it and right. it's kind of interesting, but it's, it, it can... Uh, what's the word? It can be as ex- it can be accessible though to right. a, to an untrained person. That, well, that's know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of great melodies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. 
and harmonies. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the there's part writing that's just fantastic mm-hmm. in, in a lot of that yeah. stuff. That's cool, man. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is uh, this is probably probably about good. Uh, yeah. Joe Joe Prusner. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming, you man. Bet. Yeah, My yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for great sitting talking down. To you. Yeah, dude, Joe, yeah. Uh, Tom is absolutely right. You, you yeah. and I got along great. Um, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, but um, definitely a good luck with all your playing and stuff. Thank and you. so, where are you going back to now? I'm going to head out to the East Coast and uh, try to do a few things. Speaking of. Uh, the Walsh family, uh, Joe's younger brother, Mark Walsh. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to get some stuff going on with him and cool. and see what's uh, what's happening. Sweet, there. yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Thanks. Um, all right, that's the show. All right, KC Music Talk, uh, Joe Prusner. Um, see you guys later. <laughs>